On this episode, entrepreneur and co-founder of Blue Ox Films, Taylor Kavanaugh stops by. I just believe so strongly, if you want to be something and get compensated to do something, you have to have a proven track record of mm. doing that before. And the way you, you know, the way you create your own track record is to literally go out and run on your own with other people, whomever, like, you don't need to be a professional to do that. You just need to go out and create. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Pursuit of Purpose. My name's Chris Kiefer, and today I have Taylor Kavanaugh, the co-founder of Blue Ox Films. Taylor, thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Chris. I, I appreciate the time. And Taylor went to Oregon State, played football, and was studying engineering before uh, realizing that he had some other passions, which I'll let him get into. But he's now on his third media um, startup company, and um, that is called Blue Ox Films. And for those of you that are interested in checking out the website, it is blueoxfilms.com. Um, you have a pretty remarkable uh, reel on there, and uh, so I'd encourage anyone to go take a look at that. But why don't you give me a background, a little short background on who you are and, and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> thank you for the intro, Chris. Uh, it really did all start, well, let me back up. When I was, when I was a kid, um, my first introduction to media was my parents, who always had a high eight camcorder <laughs> in their hands. And little did I know it at the time, but I think that in a way made an impression on me that there was this feeling around our family that, you know, if something was worth living and focusing on, it was worth documenting, uh, be it still photos or, you know, this, this uh, infamous camcorder that we had. So, you know, now I actually have all those tapes and it's quite fun to go through all of those old videos and there's some fantastic memories in there. But as mentioned, I think that set up kind of an interest in media, maybe documentary filmmaking, uh, made me inquisitive about some of those storytelling aspects, so on and so forth. So as a very beginning foundation, I think that existed. Um, I strayed from that maybe slightly when, um, when I went to Oregon State, I went to play football there, as you mentioned, and had an incredible um, experience as a uh, playing five years under Coach Mike Riley for the team, and we had some really, really fun, fun years, fun times, um, good success um, on the teams there. Uh, but I studied engineering at the same time, so not exactly the most creative pursuit, but um, it was something that I was interested in. My dad was in the industry, and salaries coming out was a big draw, as it is for most people. So. Um, I went through the engineering program there, and I enjoyed engineering. I certainly enjoyed parts of it. I just felt like there was something more. And I, on the side, I was working with um, a classmate of mine that I met at Oregon State, Matt Wilcox. He went to Jesuit here in Portland, and we became very close during our time at Oregon State. And during that time, we were both, you know, practicing engineering, and you know, from nine to five, really, and then from. Uh, you know, 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. in the morning, about seven days a week, we'd be out with cameras and, you know, buying some of the early DSLR cameras and going out and really just making passion films. And it's through that process and 
a trip that we collectively took around the world for 100 days through the South Pacific that kind of kicked off our documentary passion. That led us to, um, you know, the, the quintessential kind of quitting your job, moving back in your parents' basement, you know, putting a, <laughs> putting a studio down there in the room you grew up in and, and starting to try to pretend like you knew how to make films and, you know, particularly run a, run a business around it. So how do you feel your engineering has affected the way that you tell stories, use camera equipment and run a business? It certainly isn't the traditional filmic education, but you know, we work in, we work in markets and industries today that are very different than, you know, what our parents worked in where it was more typical to work at Ford Motor Company for 50 years or to be at a you know single old school advertising agency for a long time. Like that doesn't exist anymore. This is the freelance economy. And even if you work for a larger firm, statistics say that you don't work there for you know more than five years or way less than that. I don't quote me on the stat, but I know that it's today it's a quick turn. And I think that in part has to do with employers and people and you know from freelancers or whatever your role is in the economy demand a multitude and a variety of skill sets to get things done. And I've certainly, and Matt and I have certainly seen that to be proven true. And when it comes to filmmaking, I, I believe that we have a, a leg up on other creatives and other filmmakers, not because we're better at filmmaking. Frankly, I don't even think that I'm as talented as many of the filmmakers out there, but when you combine what we do have, you know, in a filmic nature and in a creative talent, and you mix that with the problem solving, the numerical approach to engineering, um, you know, the mathematics, the business skills we got, I think that's a really powerful combination. When was like the first commercial project that you did? What year or approximately how many years ago was that? The first commercial project we did, so in, in 2011-ish, I left my job and moved back down here to Portland, and I said, you know what, I just left my job, I'm trying to figure out how to start a company, I feel like I just need to do something. <laughs> and that's been largely the, I believe that so much of business, especially in the creative businesses, is not waiting for somebody to invite you to partake in a project. <laughs> but just going out there and creating, aggressively and ruthlessly creating, even if it costs you a bit of money or if you do it for free. That typically leads to uh, momentum, and momentum is key when you're running a startup. Um, so when I moved back down here to Portland in 2011, I basically asked the Portland State football coach, I'm like, hey, I'm interested in sport, I'm interested in filmmaking, I'm trying to start a company, I just want to get some, I just want to go create some content. and. Um, I lived with the, the football team and kind of, it was fun because that provided me an opportunity to create real content about real stories and do it every week. I was, you know, working around the clock pretty much seven days a week to create, you know, a, a little kind of documentary mini, mini series, one episode a week for 12 weeks in a row for this the Portland State football season. But, well, long story short, I got a call from Nike and they said, hey, what some of the work that you're doing is amazing for the Portland State football team. You know, do you want to come out and shoot a couple small videos uh, for us? And I certainly, you know, jumped at that opportunity. And now we do, I, I, I mean, we do probably 50 plus 
projects for Nike a year. So that was the first commercial project, and I think just speaks to the fact that I just believe so strongly if you want to, especially in filmmaking, especially in the creative endeavors, if you want to be something and get compensated to do something, you have to have a proven track record of mm. doing that before. And the way you, you know, the way you create your own track record is to literally go out and run on your own with other people, whomever, like, you don't need to be a professional to do that. You just need to go out and create. There's really no secret to it. I mean, if, if you believe that just because of your innate creativity and innate talent that you're going to be invited to work on, you know, work for a Widening Kennedy or you're going to be invited to go start your own company or you're going to be invited to, you know, direct the next blockbuster film, you know, unfortunately you're mistaken. Every right. single individual who has built up a, a book of work and a, a, a real experience has done so through the grit and the grind of just going out and, you know, pushing, pushing a boulder uphill. I mean, that's literally what it is. And um, there's really no other way to do it. You know, you have to put in your own time, your sweat equity, your blood, sweat, and tears, your, your own money. Like, there's just no other way to do it. At least from my experience, you really have to enjoy the grind um, in any job. But what is it about the day-to-day -day that you really just love? Running a business is a, is a truckload of work. And not all of it is the type of work that you want to get up at, you know, 5.15 in the morning and just jump right into it. Now, some of it is, and there are projects and there are experiences, you know, in the stuff that we do that is truly and purely just enjoyable. And it's art and it's fun to be a part of and it's fun to create. But there's always the mixture of, you know, a bit of stress, of a little bit of anxiety, of deadlines, of responsibility and hitting promises and and budgets that you've promised to your client. So I think it's a myth if anybody if anybody believes that 24/7 you're going to love every aspect of what you do. That's just I I don't think that exists. And if it did, it you know, the pursuit, the passion, the grit that people have wouldn't even be required. You have to have you know, passion and grit to overcome the elements of business that are difficult, the ups and downs. And innately in starting your own media endeavor, starting your own company, even working for a, a, a large firm, whatever your situation is, one of the most important things that you can do is just show up every day. And when I say show up, not just be there physically present, but be there mentally, emotionally and give everything that you have every single day, even if sometimes you don't feel like it. If you're one of the lucky ones, which I do, I, I am thankful that I consider myself in that category, then, uh, then at least more than half of the time, you're enjoying what you do. If you can hit 51% of like you're sitting <laughs> and doing what you do and you're like, man, I truly enjoy this, I think you're, you're, in, pretty, you're in pretty good shape. How, what's been the biggest change in uh, camera technology in you know the last eight years or so that you've been doing this? 
Wow. Well, I mean, there's there's so much. I mean, it's a that's a big question, largely because there's so many different levels of camera technology. And, and I'll preface my answer by saying. Cameras as a filmmaker are not the most important thing. They are not. They're far from the most important thing. A camera similar to a steel worker in his welding tools or a, you know, a mountain climber in his ice axe, like it's just a tool. You could use a number of different tools and still get to the top of the mountain or still build a structure. And the tool does have efficiency and quality pragmatic value, but it is not the most important thing as a filmmaker. So the skills that you have in your storytelling chops and your eyes, those are the most important things. The camera is a really fun tool to help communicate those, you know, endeavors and those values, but it doesn't do it on its own. So with that said though, cameras are really fun. Like I have a passion for them. Matt has a passion for them. You know, you have to as a director, director of photography, or, you know, uh, a filmmaker of any kind. Um, and I believe that we went through an incredible shift in cameras about, oh, somewhere between seven and ten years ago. And when Canon and Nikon and some of these other camera manufacturers came out with DSLRs, which are, you know, digital single lens cameras, um, that that had video capability and you saw a spike in young people and young filmmakers using those cameras then the Nikon D300 and the D700 and you know all the D7000 and on the Canon side the Canon 5D even the Canon Rebel series um, you know a number of those DSLR cameras that were were literally a piece of equipment that your parents could buy for you for Christmas because they were affordable but they produced an image that had a depth of field and a cinematic value that at least looked a bit more like the movies and high-end television than the standard, you know, video cameras with, you know, two-third inch or smaller sensors that gave sort of a flat, everything's in focus image. And Matt and I certainly took advantage of that burgeoning camera technology and we bought our fair share of DSLR cameras and you know cheap lenses and that's what we first got our start on so from there I mean we've gone through a litany of cameras from you know the Canon C300 series to the Sony FS7s and FS700s and um, and now we shoot primarily on Canon lenses and Canon cameras and then we also shoot um, kind of the other, a lot of our high-end commercial stuff on uh, German-made company camera um, called Airy. The Airy Alexa Mini is a great new camera innovation. Um, you know, we've we've come a long ways in terms of the camera technologies that we're, we've been using, but again, from the infancy till now, they're still just tools. Like, they only, sh they only film what you point them at, and if what you point them at isn't interesting, then the camera doesn't help you. <laughs> mm. So... Do you think of yourself more as an entrepreneur first or a storyteller first? Gosh, I mean, it kind of, it, it honestly kind of flexes at times. I think when we're pitching ideas and needing to sell people or fundraise or whatever the economic activity is, I, I feel like we're exercising a bit more of 
entrepreneurial skill sets. But then when we're out in the field executing, working with actors or working with, you know, um, football players or, you know, coaches and doing storytelling around there, I feel more like a, you know, storyteller, like a, a, a director, a filmmaker. Um, so, and I don't think there's, you know, it's, there's always the, it's the classic dichotomy in the, in the creative endeavors of art and commerce. Like, those are the two competing influences for every filmmaker and every creative. It's the, you know, the ever-continuing conversation of, well, I really want to do this and use this t tool, but I only have this much budget. Or, I really want to take this creative risk, but the client wants to play more conservative. Like, that's an ever-ongoing conversation, both in your own head and externally between, you know, you and your client. So... I, I don't know if I'm more one than the other, but that's probably a good thing because both are required to produce work and produce good work, you know? I always like reflecting back on my own life and, and talking to other young people that are entering the workforce. What's something you would have told yourself um, if you could go back to, you know, 21, 22-year-old Taylor? Not that I was wasting time at that, at that time. You know, I was really busy, you know, coming out of, you know, collegiate football and engineering and all that sort of stuff. But I suppose that there's hidden amounts of time every day, whether we spend those hidden amounts of time, you know, on social media or, you know, television or, you know, those sorts of things. I would have maybe urged myself for any level of passive consumption that I was doing, I would have urged myself to make to shift that more into an active consumption, you know, sort of uh, endeavor. So, and I still feel myself doing that now, you know. Everybody deserves, and I think is rejuvenated to a certain extent of sort of, you know, passive consumption of, you know, a Netflix series or this, this or that. But there's certainly a, a balance to that. And, you know, unless you're a filmmaker and you're working on creating Netflix series and there's some, like, validity to you doing market research... There's not that much that's coming out of that. Like, you know, you're going to reach your goals faster if you are aggressively and actively consuming information or pursuing something or creating something, um, you know, that's a bit more tailored to where you want to go. So I'd say that's one thing. And then maybe in tandem with that, just like I would have continued to remind myself of, you know, just go out and create, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it feels risky, even if it's, you know... It's uh, it takes you know a couple all nighters to push that boulder uphill. Like just be out there creating work, writing, taking photos, filmmaking, you know, teaching yourself computer programs to create graphic design, whatever it is. Just like you know, aggressively, aggressively doing it. I haven't thought of that before, as far as passive versus active. You can watch Netflix actively. Um, you know, you probably can't actively do it for all day, <laughs> but you can definitely watch a show and, and analyze it and enjoy it while still learning something. Here's a fun little activity for most people. And this will, if, if, if this doesn't get you, <laughs> get you active in some way, then probably nothing will. For those users that use Apple devices on iOS 10 or later, I think, if you go into settings and you go to your battery life, 
and then you can see how you've been using your battery life on your phone. And then there's a little clock icon on the right side, and you can literally look at what you've had on your screen on your iPhone over the last week. Take a look for at the that. time. For the time, it, it shows you exactly oh, wow. what you've been looking at for the last week on your screen. And for most people, it is for me in a lot of ways, that's a frightening statistic when you have more hours than you can count on one hand that's being directed at the Facebooks or the Instagrams or you name it. You're like, whoa, in one week I spent that much time doing this? That might seem a little out of balance. And additionally, what could I have been doing with that X number of hours? So. I would urge everybody to do that, at least to educate themselves about their own habits. I, I know that's both frightening and motivating for me when I, when I do that. So, Do you think that you will ever pursue another career or business? Do you have any like dreams of, uh, or plans on what's next? We're, we're dabbling more in scripted content. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to have Blue Ox and, and Matt and I work on you know, telling really engaging narrative scripted stories as short films or movies or TV series. You know, that's a that's a goal we have at least to explore. You know, meanwhile, we still continue to do a lot of documentary stuff and I never want to stop doing that. That is just really, really fun work because you dive into an individual story and there's a lot of kind of humanity and learning in, in that, in the documentary filmmaking process. So right now, like Blue Ox and myself and Matt are really you know, poignantly focused on, on those endeavors. Hmm. What book recommendations do you have for us? Some recent ones um, that have really impacted me. Some of your listeners may have uh, heard of uh, Tim Ferriss. He wrote one that I found to be just absolutely intriguing, and it's called Tools of Titans. And it basically is um, and largely transcriptions of some of his podcast stuff and other, you know, uh, interviews that he's done with, I think he includes like over 100 industry leaders in, you know, business or in, you know, whatever, whatever it is, um, business or athletes or actors or whatever. And it's a really fun inside look at people who lead their industry and how they wake up in the morning to how they approach creativity to how they do this, to how they do that. And, that's a really fun book. So that would be number one. I also read um, Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit. Um, this uh, That title is probably a few years old now, but I just really resonated with her book. Um, and it's really just about that, how she argues that there's no greater predictor of success. There's no greater you know, predictor of, in a lot of ways, happiness and enthusiasm in your work than it's not talent and not the time you put in and not any of those things, but it's kind of the grit, you know, synonymous with maybe effort, I suppose, that, um, that you, that you bring every day. So I guess on the, uh, I also love reading history and this doesn't really have anything to do with business, but my wife grew up in Montana and actually my father-in-law works in a town in Montana called, um, the, the name of the town is Butte, Montana. And if you're from Montana, you know what Butte's all about, but at one point in time in the 20s, it was the richest town in, like, I mean, I don't know the exact statistic, but outside of New York City, it was the wealthiest town in the United States and in, like, you know, North America. And the reason is, is because it had this massive mine of copper 
that the Standard Oil Company and all these other sort of, you know, gold rush style, you know, entrepreneurs rushed out to Butte, Montana to take advantage of. And there's this book called Fire and Brimstone. It's written by Michael Punky, who also wrote the original book, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the, uh, The Revenant. He also wrote The, the Revenant. And it's, an, it's a really interesting look at this, this massive collapse and fire of a mine that happened in Butte, Montana. And it also is kind of, you know, portrayed uh, across the backdrop of, you know, crime and corruption and scandal in Butte, Montana in the 20s. So not necessarily a business book, but um, it's certainly an interesting read that I have personal ties to. So you know, if you had to pick one movie for someone that maybe didn't watch a lot of movies, that would just be a good entertaining film, what would that be? I'm going to give you a two-part answer. I'm going to give you the style of movies that I really like and that I sort of emulate. And I really like, there's a, a producer and director, her name's Catherine Bigelow, and she, you know, has directed and produced, you know, The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty and a couple, you know, military-themed movies. I love her style of filmmaking, um, but I just love... There's a sort of verite aspect to her camera work. It's a little sort of doc style, so I really like those sorts of films. I also, some of the films that had the, the biggest emotional impact on me, you know, I grew up watching, you know, all sorts of sports films and everything, and I still love, nor is it critically acclaimed, and I don't want to give just the standard, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, critically acclaimed answers, but... One, a couple movies that have a ton of nostalgia with me that I that I still really love are um, two football movies. One, Remember the Titans, which I, I still absolutely love that movie with Denzel, and then Friday Night Lights. The show, the television show is obviously spectacular as well, and some people throw the movie under the bus, but I actually really liked um, the movie, and from a nostalgia factor, uh, those are two, two that impacted maybe from the very beginning before I really knew what good cinema was and what it wasn't impacting me on, on a you know, cinematic level. So, How can people get in touch with you uh, if they want to reach out? What's your method yeah, of preference? Um, sure. Um, yeah, probably just our website, www.blueoxfilms.com. There's you know links to social media and an info email and everything that goes straight to my inbox. So um, yeah, our website, blueoxfilms.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Taylor, for your time today. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you, everyone, for your attention and listening to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Your feedback and comments mean the world to me. If you liked what you heard, take a second and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. If you've got suggestions for future episodes or want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at chris at chriskiefer.net. And don't forget, I make it a point to include all of the links to the books, movies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode in the show notes. You can find those notes directly in the episode description or on my website at chriskiefer.net. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people.